Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Hey everyone, my name is Asher Roddy. And this is Tyler Whipple. Welcome to Talking Two-Tone. We're thrilled to bring you a new and thought-provoking podcast that talks all things Tennessee Titans. Go ahead and reserve your ticket now. It's going to be an incredible journey. Tighten up. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Talking Two-Tone. I'm Tyler Whipple. I'm joined by my good friend and wonderful co-host, Asher Roddy. We've got uh, some things to talk about this week. A little bit of stuff, but we do have a little bit of a change in pace this week as well. We, we had so much fun talking about the Peaky Blinders last week that uh, we got a good little surprise that you guys will probably really enjoy hearing. We've got a guy who really knows the stuff in the – the film and media coming in, so um, we'll get into that later. But first, Asher, uh, let's get right into it, man. Um, we want to talk about our expectations versus reality for this year, this Titans team. What is your expectations versus what you think reality will? I think that the like that. First of all, it's great to be back. Always great to be back talking talk talking Titans and just talking shit with Tyler. Shooting the shit's always a great time. But I think like. Overall, for this Titans team, my expectations are, you know, as a fan, you got to win at least 12 games. You won 12 last year, you got to win at least 12 this year. Um, With that being said, reality-wise, we've got a rookie wide receiver who's stepping into, you know, wide receiver one role or that expectation. You've got Robert Woods coming off of a torn ACL. You've got Derrick Henry coming back who's got doubters. You've got Jeffrey Simmons, you know, who's a monster, who is ascending to the one to becoming one of the top interior defensive linemen in the NFL, if not number two already. You've got Kevin Byard, who is an all-pro and the best safety in the league. It's not even close. Please don't argue with me. It's not even close. Um, you've got you've got a young DB secondary. The defense is going to have. My reality is the defense is going to have to carry this team. I think the defense is going to have to carry this team unless Todd Downing has somehow, for the love of God, found a way to be more creative with his play calling, and hopefully O'Hara can help him with that. But, you know, it, it, my, my reality is I could easily see this team barely winning 10 games, which is, you know, it's kind of spoiled to say that after 8-8, eight 8-8, and 8-8. Eight, eight and eight, eight and eight. But I could see this team winning 10 games, and I could also see this team winning 13 games. I, I don't know. It just depends on how this offense – there's so many uncertainties – on the offensive side of the football, which, you know, is just seems to be like a common theme with the Titans. Like, you know, their defense throughout the history has always been good, but the, the offense is always just hit or miss. But, yeah, that's, well, that's what we, I think. I think we They're, got spoiled about the 2020 year. Everybody expects the Titans to, to duplicate that 2020 season of offense. Now, I, it's a little unrealistic because that, that offense was the best probably – I think, I think you can say that, that was the best offense in Tennessee Titans history that year. 
It was unreal how and good that offense defense. was. We had, yeah, we almost had two 1,000 yard receivers. We had a 2,000 yard rusher. No, no, that was the year, Derek went for what, 1,800 that year, I think. And then uh, he missed a game that year. Yeah, and then we had uh, Tannehill had like 30 TDs and only like six picks. It was it was unreal the season they had. He had like 4,000 yards passing or a little right under 4,000, I believe. This year. But we're talking about expectations. The expectations for the Titans this year in like the grand scheme, if you're talking national media, a lot of teams are still picking us to be number two in the division. They're looking at us being a 9-8 team, 10-7 at best. And um, – I think I think the Titans are going to be better than that. Uh, people are really, really undervaluing the signing of Tim Kelly and what he can do within the passing game. Um, if you look at the Texans, how much better they got at the end of the year last year in the passing game. They're off the court. Tim Kelly, who is now on our staff, is really going to be in Todd Downing's ear helping. You got to think another thing. Todd Downing is in his second year. He, it's going to be a lot of those bumps and bruises along the way should be – Cushioned down a little bit. We shouldn't be hitting, you know, full tilt concrete speed bumps. We should be hitting speed cushions at this point, right? I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but I think I think they really will uh, improve this year. Losing AJ Brown is huge, obviously, but I think the play call will be better. I believe we still have the roster to do it because I believe the 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 tools we have right now are just up to par, or maybe even a slight bit better than we had last year. Because Julio Jones was never in the field. Our tight end room was horrible. Our tight end room is upgraded from an F to at least a B, I would say. Our wide receiver room has devalued, of course, yeah. We probably went from a B-plus to a C-minus. But our quarterback's going to be in a better position this year. I believe our offensive line will be a little better in the pass protection game. And, of course, we're always going to run the ball downhill and play really well there. So I think I think we're going to win eleven games again. I think we're going to win the division. That's my reality. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. I could see anything realistically. I could see Tennessee going off, you know, just pissed off like a teenager. You just took away your cell phone. I could see that. See that happening, right? It I mean, feels like two thousand. It just that actually Brown's a little not known in two thousand nineteen. And we went to the AFC Championship game. A, Who says Traylon Burks can't play that well? You know, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, that's what yeah. it feels the like. National media says his, the national media says he can't because of his asthma, which blows my mind. You know, everybody has asthma. Just about almost every – every, just about, you know, a decent amount of players that have asthma are just fine. Jay Cutler played with fucking diabetes. All right. So, you know, that, that's – that, that's yeah, diabetes. Uh, but, you know, the, yeah. And with a piss-poor attitude. Yeah, he did. Piss-poor attitude. But, you know, that's just the way, the way it is, you know. Um, leading on to the next topic, and you kind of touched on it, about the tight end room. Um, I, I've gone on record numerous times saying that I hate the idea of ever having to carry three tight ends. I hate it. I hate having three tight ends active on every single game day. I hate even having, you know, I understand why you have to have two, but I don't know for the life of me why you have to have three. I could just, I mean, good God. And I swear to God, if the starting tight ends this year are not Austin Hooper and Chig, 
I am going to have an absolute come apart because Jeff Swain is terrible. Jeff Swain is committing robbery by still being on this team. He is so bad. Like, I understand why you have to have – kind of understand why you have to have Jeff Swain there in case Chig gets hurt. But, God damn it, why would you re-sign him? You know, let him test the free agent market and see how little to no value he brings. And then you sign him on a veteran minimum. You don't yeah. sign him for like a two-year, what was seven million dollar contract or something. Look at his cap, Anthony Berkser for that. You know. Yeah, I mean, my God, but I am really excited about Chig. I'm excited about Austin Hooper. I think he's literally just, uh, you know, you, you have like quote unquote run blocking tight ends, and then you have quote unquote every down tight ends. I think Austin Hooper is an every down tight end. I do not understand why Jeff Swain was brought in solely as a blocking tight end when he graded out horribly at the position. I think every single game last year, or at least 10 instances, I saw one play where Jeff Swain just absolutely had a horrible attempt at a block, and it caused a, like a big loss. Like, it's like it, I don't know how you can allow that to continue to happen. And also, um, another thing that really has pissed me off lately is that I'm seeing reports that we're going to keep four tight ends, which is going to piss me off even more than having to keep three. The only thing that could have pissed me off more – than keeping three tight ends is keeping four. <laughs> okay, I mean, that's really going to piss me off because you know what that means? That means you have one less offensive lineman depth, you have one less DB depth, and that means you probably don't even have a fucking fullback, which basically at that point is the same thing as a blocking tight end. Like, it, it just, oh, if, that, if there are four tight ends on this 53-man roster on week I one, I'm going – I will have a fit. I will have a. I'm already fired up. I don't it's, see it happening. I'm already fired up. It's I think it's. I think it's much to do about nothing, Asher. I think it's much to do about nothing, man. And uh, I think Tory Carter is going to be on the roster because they really liked him, and uh, they got rid of blasting games. So Tory Carter's that guy. Um, I, I don't see us having four tight ends. I mean, who is the fourth tight end on this roster? This Jeff Swain. So, I, don't, I, don't see, I don't see it happening. Is it Swain? Who, who's number three after Chick? Oh, Hudson's still in the roster. Tommy Hudson. Yeah, I don't. I really don't see them picking Jeff Swain or Tommy Hudson over Torrey Carter as good as he is in the run game. I just don't see it. So, I mean, I could I, be wrong. I mean, the, I, the offense could have a new identity, but we'll see. I would be okay with them having a fourth tight end if it was only named Carter. Like, that, that would be justified, in my opinion. Like, if you carried – if you carried, you know, or sorry, three. If you carried Chig and Hooper, and then you put Jeff Swaim on the practice squad where I think he belongs, and then you put Tory Carter or, or whatever his name is in there as like the third tight end slash fullback, I'm okay with that. I'm good with that. I'm okay with that. But I, the main he's got a neck roll. He's a maniac. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I just got a little neck roll guy three tight ends and then an addition to Jeff Swain. But, you know, that we're kind of getting sidetracked. Yeah, I, I hope not. I hope to God. I will have. I will write a letter. I will write a letter. <laughs> a very strongly worded letter. You hear this, J-Rob? You ends. better not have four tight ends. You better not. I mean, that's just we're coming to Nashville. stupid. I'm, I'll come to Nashville and I won't fucking leave. Until I see somebody in the Titans front office, we're gonna we're gonna pick it outside the. 
No, no four tight ends. Three tight ends at max. That's what we're yeah. doing. Three tight ends maximum. Never four. But, you know, transitioning to a topic that I've been – that we've talked about previously. Um, but it's kind of – there's a there's kind of like a – you know, I like to make a play on words. You know, a Mexican standoff. I like to call it a Mexicali stand-on. Um, there's kind of a – there's kind of a little chess game going on, I think, with J-Rob versus Vrabel and Jeffrey Simmons right now. Uh, I think Vrabel – you know, Vrabel's always been a player's coach. He always will be. He takes care of his players. He rewards them when they do well. He doesn't when they don't. He lets them know. He holds them accountable. And I think, you know, from what I've been hearing and what I've been reading around Nashville is at least in a mandatory minicamp. Now, keep in mind, this may bear some fruit or it may bear no fruit whatsoever, is that Jeffrey Simmons was out on the field but not practicing, not partaking – he was on a bike somewhere else just doing light jogs, stuff like that. He, he says he's 100%. He's not hurt. Vrabel did not say he was hurt. Um, and then, you know, you kind of have the Vrabel mindset to where if you're healthy, you practice. He's always been about that. Um, and then you have some peculiar comments that I was reading today while I was at work um, about Jeffrey Simmons saying, that he's healthy. He's good to go. He said he'll be ava- – he at first said he will be he will <coughs> practice at training camp, and then he said he will be available at training camp. Kind of backtracked a little bit. And what I'm kind of reading into this is that Jeffrey Simmons set to make $2.2 million on his fourth year of his rookie contract. He doesn't have a contract extension. There are 10 other defensive players that make more money than he does. And um, Rabel understands that. He understands how valuable Jeffrey Simmons is. He also understood how valuable A.J. Brown was, and he was very pissed off when they had to trade him. So I think Rabel will is kind of, you know, fueling the fire here of letting Jeffrey Simmons hold out. And that's what I think's happening. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm okay yeah, with I that. mean, it, and that's and – that's, all this is like pure speculation because, of course, tides are pretty close to it. A lot of stuff get out, like the AJ Brown trade, crazy. Nobody expected that to come. It's just that's usually what the successful organizations do in the NFL. They're not really loud in the offseason. They let things happen internally and they don't let stuff leak. So this is all speculation. We don't let Jefferson be time tightened forever. And I mean, it does work out at times. But Taylor Lewan held out. On his rookie deal, and he ended up getting the bag. So maybe Jeffrey Simmons does the same thing, and maybe he's just there to—I don't know—to show he's still available. At the same time, he wants the bag. So I don't—I don't know. I don't really want to read too much into it because it makes me nervous. So <laughs> it makes—it uh, makes me—it makes me nervous too. But if I were—if let's put ourselves in Jeffrey Simmons' shoes. I would 100% hold out if I were him. 100% until I got a new contract, I would hold out. And that might piss off a bunch of, you know, armchair fans who say, oh, you should just play for the love of the game. Fuck that. He is the 11th highest paid defensive player on our roster. He is performing at an all-pro and pro-bowl level. He is is one of the two vocal leaders on this defensive team besides Kevin Byard. And I think he deserves at least twenty million dollars a year. I, I genuinely believe that. Well, he's top, he's top five, five player years ago, in the NFL in defense. Yeah, I mean, and you keep in mind, five years ago to this 
to yesterday, I believe, is when Aaron Donald said he would hold out until he got a new contract. Now, that may have little to no bearing of fruit or whatever or what have you. And, you know, Jeffrey Simmons was at Von Miller's pass rush summit, you know, the meeting that they all do. They get together and share their tips and pros, and he loves the game. He just is he, – he knows what he's worth, and I respect it. I would hold out if I were him, and I would, I would say, look, I want to be here. I think Jeffrey Simmons wanted to be in Tennessee more than A.J. Brown did, obviously, because A.J. Brown was putting on this huge fugazi that he wanted to stay and all this. He wanted to be a Titan for life. And then his best friend Jalen Hurts calls him up, who can't throw for more than 3,000 yards in a football season, 17 games, calls him up and says, hey, come on down to Philadelphia. And so I think A.J. blackballed his way out of the Tennessee organization to get to Philadelphia, where he's going to enjoy little to no success in that passing offense. And then where you have Jeffrey Simmons, who probably loves Vrabel. And they probably love each other because they're defensive guys. And they're just freaks. So, you know, if I'm Jeffrey Simmons, I'm not worried about it because I, I'm way more, way more, you know, excited about Jeffrey Simmons getting his contract than A.J. Brown because we traded A.J. Brown. We traded his what we would have had to have paid him. And we flipped that into a rookie contract, which – ultimately created over more space in the long term and cap terms. And I think Jeffrey Simmons will command that. 20, instead of spending $20 million on A.J. Brown, would you rather have spent $20 million on Jeffrey Simmons is basically what I'm trying to say. And if you asked me that question, I would have told you Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons is more valuable to this team than A.J. Brown was. Yeah. So that's uh, where I am. I, 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 I could agree with that. I mean – if if they would have paid AJ Brown twenty million dollars, I would get the bag because you know we're about to be out of the quarterback contract after next year, most likely. So we could have done it, but let's not dwell on the past. You know, let's move on. AJ Brown's not a Titan anymore, but uh, I think Jefferson is a long term Titan. You know, I said the same thing about AJ Brown, so it, it it does concern me. But at the same time, I really like you said. I just feel like this is such a defensive centric franchise. They're going to make it happen. And they're going to pay the man. He's going to be a Titan for life, at least a Titan for the next five to seven years. Now it's time for Talking Two Tones Fan of the Week. All right, as we talked about earlier, we have uh, Roger Fountain coming on. He is the expert in film and digital media. Uh, he's going to give us a lot of takes. Uh, going forward here, I think your guys are going to really enjoy him. He is uh, really smart in this industry. He knows his movie stuff. He is actually the executive producer of Darking Media. It's a production company that he owns. Um, he has a TikTok page as well. Uh, it's, it's called Darking Media as well. It's just the same. It's D-A-R-K-I-N-G Media. Uh, he has a lot of cool videos and content on the TikTok page where he uh, rates movies and uh, he, he shows you what you should be watching, and uh, you, I think you guys really enjoy it. So go check that out, subscribe, or follow whatever it is on TikTok these days. Um, it's Darking Media, like I said. Uh, now, Roger, we're happy to have you on, buddy, and uh, let's get this going. It's uh, great to be here, Ty. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Asher, you as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I love you guys' podcast. I listened to the uh, I listened to a couple of episodes. I think like uh, last week uh, or the week before, so whatever the previous one was, when you guys started talking about uh, Peaky Blinders, I uh, stopped listening right before that because like I haven't seen any of it, and so I'm just like oh, spoilers. Spoilers. 
yeah so oh, man. but i listened up until then it's uh it's pretty entertaining yeah did you hear my part about the whole colts plane crashing and killing all the players yes i did <laughs> yes i did and i uh i i enjoyed that quite a bit yeah, i'm gonna i'm gonna dub i'm gonna double down on that i still stand by that comment i don't care uh, but yeah. you know, Ro- Roger, we got we got a we got a couple of talking points with you. One one thing I kind of wanted to uh, to open it up with, you know, Tyler mentioned to me that you lived in the Nashville area for a good portion. Um, but going going back, you know, the tie them together, you know, you talk about Trevor Lawrence and how good he's played. That's why I think it's so critical for us to get a quarterback, man. I, our I the AFC South is going to be quarterback laden here soon, and we better get one. Uh, so um, that's just where I'm at on that. But um, Moving on, you know, guys, we talked about the GM and we talked about what we do. We gave you, we gave you um, our prediction for the Super Bowl. Um, however, uh, we, we we are joining a sports history network. Well, that's actually what it's called. Um, but the network is obviously called Sports History. So we want to go ahead and, you know, give you a little history of the Titans. And we've been doing this now, this segment, for five iterations now with this one. Um, it's the best Titan to wear the jersey number. Um, so we're one through four, and we're going to go to number five, and I'm trying to make this a little quicker than usual because we've got some time constraints. But um, number five is an underrated player. Um, you know, a lot of people don't give this guy enough love. I mean, his numbers wasn't great as a Titan. But, you know, this guy really kind of took the franchise when they needed a solid guy to take the helm. He was there, and when we needed him, he he, he delivered a lot of time. Um, number the number five, the best player to wear the jersey number five for the Tennessee Titans franchise. Asher, as you know, this is uh, Kerry Collins. Yeah, um, Kerry Collins, like I said earlier, he was very unappreciated. Um, you know, I don't think a lot of guys wanted to come in, but if you people forget, two thousand eighteen, they were so good that should have. That 2018 team still makes me sick, man. That team, should, that defense was so good. We should have won the Super Bowl, uh, but of course we lost. It's the this 49ers team. Yeah. it's literally this 49ers team. That defense was in that front seven of that defense. I can't think of a better front seven than off the top of my head ever that I can think. I mean, you got Mister Monday Night himself and Keith Bullock running the linebacker core, and then that Stephen Tolick. Stephen Tolick, the front four was so crazy, man. You got Kyle Vandenbosch, Albert Haynesworth. And Javon Kirsch, top three I can think of. And the guys that rotated in there was insane. Then you got Michael Griffin. You got Pac-Man Jones, I believe, was still there. You've got Cortland Finnegan, Michael Griffin. You've got um, – who's the other – who was the other safety back there? I, I'm drawing a book. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't roll. It was after roll. It was like – it was the, the strong uh, yeah, safety. Yeah, roll. Um, Tank Williams. It was Tank Williams, wasn't it? Uh, maybe. Maybe let's take Williams. Uh, it could be. Anyway, but that I don't want to get too far off on a tangent. Um, but Kerry Collins led that offense to a thirteen to three record that year, and you know the defense led, but that was Jeff Fisher ball, and yeah. um, a lot of situational moments. Kerry uh, Collins, Algie Crumples. If Algie Crumples' fat ass didn't fumble the ball three <laughs> times against the Ravens, we would have won. <laughs> that's but you think about it, that's probably his best target those years. So Kerry Collins did a lot with what he had to work with. Algie um, Crumpler was obese. Algie Crumpler went to the Falcons and had a good career, though, unfortunately for us. Uh, 
He he had two Pro Bowls in his career. One of them was with us. Um, with the Titans, he had a fifteen and seventeen record. That just shows you how good that thir- that two thousand eight season was uh, for us. Because <laughs> he won twelve of his uh, fifteen games that year. So, and you know, I kind of want to say, Kerry Collins was the last guy to lead us to the playoffs until Marcus Mariota did it. So that tells yeah. you how long we was in the you know an abyss there between uh. Collins and um, Mariota, but you know, if I had to pick my, uh, if I had to pick a player back then that was just rock solid, Titan that's underappreciated, I would probably pick Kerry Collins. I'd agree with that. You know, Chris Johnson. If Chris Johnson doesn't get hurt in that game, if they don't intend, the Ravens intentionally hurt Chris mm-hmm. Johnson that game. They were twisting his ankle, pulling his back, all kinds of stuff, and also the infamous delay of game that was never called. Yes, um, oh, gosh, a lot of things went against the Titans that day. But they, at the end of the day, what happened was Algie Crumpler should have gone keto and should have learned how to hold on to the ball a little bit longer. Because <laughs> I think he had three fumbles lost in that playoff game, and they still should have won. Still should have won. But anyhow, Kerry Collins came in. Um, Vince Young, who dealt with injuries, was a winner. When he played, he won games. Um, he was never Jeff Fisher's pick. Kerry Collins was his guy. Uh, Kerry Collins was extremely serviceable. Probably, probably, you know, we didn't deserve Kerry Collins. He was so yeah. good. He, may, he, could make, he could make all the throws. You didn't ask him to throw the ball 30 times, but he could if he needed to. And you, he was, he's literally like an aged Brock Purdy. Yeah, you know? game manager. Yeah, game manager. Just don't fuck it up. And, you know, it wasn't his fault. He did not fuck it up. Algie Crumpler fucked it up. It looked like he threw three interceptions that game. Like, you no. know, one of our other quarterbacks have done. Yeah. But, anyhow, yeah, Kerry Collins is probably the best ever to wear number five for us. I would agree with that. Um, and, uh, guys, there are no time constraints. This lover boy, Tyler, here is having his seventh <laughs> wedding anniversary. So, we not, have to. Not. Let me go ahead not, and fix that. Yeah, we've been making not, nine years. Nice. <laughs> See, look at that. What a great attentive husband he is, everybody. See, there's no way. No way he doesn't get husband of the year award for that. See, yeah, see how fast he yet. corrected me? See how fast he corrected me right there? Look at that. But, uh, no, I mean, uh, we are extremely excited to be joining the Sports History Network. Um, we will be switching over to that relatively soon. We're still finalizing some things. Um, we're extremely fortunate to have this opportunity. And um, – there are a lot of good things on the horizon. We'll be doing some merchandise, which will be very, very cool. So if you've ever wanted to have or own a talking two-tone shirt or anything along those lines, you'll have that opportunity. We're also going to have our own website, um, which will be very exciting. And, you know, I got just some quick reflection on my end. I never really thought that this website or that this podcast would be, you know, this well equipped, this, you know, a little over a year into it, we just kind of talked about, texted about this one day and said, what well, we should do a podcast. And then like a week later, we started doing this. I think I was doing it in Montgomery, Alabama, in a recliner in a room that was about the size of a, the size of a linen closet. And uh, here we are now. So, I mean, there's still a lot of, a lot more fun things in store and I'm excited to see where this journey takes us. And I couldn't ask for a better co-host to do it with. Absolutely. I can't say any better you just said it, guys. Um, yeah, we are excited for the opportunity, and, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, like Asher said, we're going to be moving to Captivate. Um, but our, our podcast will still be available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but it's going to be available on Captivate. Um, 
as well. So we might be doing some changes up to um, as far as the podcast goes. But, uh, yeah, we're excited. And uh, with that, you know, like always, we're going to leave you guys with a big tighten up. Tighten up, and, baby. And we'll see you next time. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude. And I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Hello, football friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Pigskin Dispatch Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to the portal of positive football history, Pigskin Dispatch and pigskindispatch.com. We talk about everything that centers around the game of American football, expert discussions, the origins of the games, the great players, teams, and coaches, and more, and some great guests and insights from experts. We have new episodes three to four times a week, and you can find us on sportshistorynetwork.com, pigskindispatch.com, or your favorite podcast provider. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.